0: You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, last week we started a new series called Road to Redemption. And what we're doing in this series is we're really preparing our hearts for The Easter celebration, the Easter season. You know, we're coming into the most sacred season um, on the church calendar for for Christians all over the world. In just a few weeks, we're going to be remembering the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for Good Friday. And then, of course, we anticipate celebrating the resurrection on Easter Sunday. So this is a time of of preparation. Uh, You know, our lives are so busy. Come on, how many of you feel that? Like our lives are just so crazy busy. It feels like time is just flying by and we need this. We need a season to help us intentionally slow down and just look within ourselves Come on, just pause and look at how we're living our lives, do, do some inner work and, and to reflect and acknowledge the things that are off and the things that are broken and to get serious about our sin and to do some reflection and repentance. And so that's what we're doing in this series over the next few weeks called Road to Redemption. Now, speaking of roads, how many of you remember back in the day before we had GPSs in our cars and iPhones in our pockets? I know we have some millennials who can't even remember those days. But anybody with me, like, you remember the days before we had devices that helped us figure out how to get everywhere? Like, we had to ask people for directions, and if they gave us bad directions, (laughs) we had bad directions, right? Like, I remember I had a big road map in my car, a Rand McNally, like, road atlas map. When I was going on a road trip and you had to get the map out. And then there were the days of MapQuest. You guys remember MapQuest? We would print the directions. Yeah, we would print the directions, right? Yeah. And the truth is back in the day, like you could miss a turn and be going in the wrong direction for a long time before you realized it. I know that's hard to believe these days. We've forgotten about that. Now, if you miss a turn, your GPS just reroutes you, right? The little lady tells you what to do and you listen. (laughs) But what about when we make some wrong turns in life? Come on, anybody ever feel like you, you've made some wrong turns in life and you're like, how did I get here? How did I end up in this, in this spot? You know, how did I make, what decisions did I make? How did I end up in this place financially? How did I end up in this broken relationship or this broken marriage or in this same old, you know, self-destructive pattern, self-coping mechanisms? Like, how, how did I get here? How did I get so far away from God? I think we feel that way sometimes. And today, I want to talk to you about rerouting our lives. I want to talk to you about reorienting uh, our our lives toward God. And there's a word that we use for that. There's a word that Scripture uses that that is really about this recalibrating and rerouting our lives back toward the path that God has for us. And it's the word repent. Everybody say repent. Now, when I think about repent, some of y'all grew up like me. This is one of those old school church words. Like, I remember my mom saying to me, like, I would see I grew up in a pastor's home, okay? And my mom would say, when I'd get in trouble, you know, I'd always be doing something. I was smarting off with my mouth or something. She'd be like, boy, you need to get right with Jesus. You need to repent. (laughs) Like, I can still remember that, right? Repent. It's like one of those old school words. And so I looked it up from the Oxford Dictionary. It means, repent means to feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. It's actually like sin is right there in the Oxford definition. And there's definitely an important aspect of of this when it comes to sin, right? That we need to acknowledge it and and uh and we need to have sincere regret. But then there's another aspect to it. The biblical concept of repentance is really encapsulated in the Hebrew word for repentance, which is the word teshuva. We actually looked at this word a few weeks ago, and teshuva means to to return. I love this idea because it's not just to feel sorry, which that's important. It's not just to acknowledge your sin, which that's really important, but it's to return back to the path that God actually has for you. And so the first aspect of repentance is certainly to acknowledge your sin. You can't course correct if you don't recognize that you're actually off course. Anybody with me? There's got to be an acknowledgement at first. I missed a turn somewhere. I've got to get this thing going back in the right direction. But then there's this other really important thing that we have to do And that is that we have to turn back, turn back to God, turn back to his ways, turn back to his path, turn back to his good plan for our lives. We need to reroute. We need to course correct. And that's what this season of preparation leading up to Easter is all about. It's course correction time. It's time to look within. It's time to teshuva. It's time to turn back to God. Now, we're going to look at a psalm today, one of the most famous example is in all of scripture, and it 's a psalm of repentance it 's actually a prayer that King David prayed. In Psalm 51, and I don't know about you, but I love the Psalms. I read the Psalms almost every day. The Psalms are the original prayer book of God's people. They're like this ancient prayer book that has stood the test of time. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I run out of language for my prayers. Anybody ever feel that way? And and the Psalms just give me fresh language. Like Psalms are some of the best prayer material. If your prayer life is in a little bit of a funk, man, just get the Psalms out. Start reading in the Psalms every day. You can pray the Psalms. How many of you know you can't go wrong when you pray Scripture. And so Psalm 51 is really one of those powerful psalms that we can pray as a prayer of repentance. In fact, I pray uh, this prayer on a regular basis. Psalm 51. Now, this psalm has an interesting subtitle. If you look it up in your Bible, from the NIV, here's the subtitle in my NIV Bible. It says, "For the director of music, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba." Wow, this psalm is loaded, right? So if you don't remember, let me just remind you, King David, even though he was a man after God's own heart and God's hand was upon him, he had this really bad episode. He committed adultery with this woman named Bathsheba, and then she got pregnant, and David was worried about people gossiping. Come on, you know the women on the streets were like, you know she's pregnant with David's baby. And so (laughs) David wanted to do a little damage control, and so he tried to get her husband, Uriah, to come home from battle. He was a soldier in the army of Israel. He tried to get him to come home and spend the night with his wife so it looked like the baby was his kid. It just keeps getting worse. And then when Uriah doesn't comply, he sends Uriah back into battle and puts him in the worst spot of the battle and gets him killed. And then he takes Bathsheba as his own wife. Like this is a soap opera. Like it's bad. This is bad. And it all comes to a head when the prophet Nathan comes and confronts David over his sin, and then he's just overwhelmed with conviction and grief for his sin. And out of that experience, we get Psalm 51. So you know when, you, when there's a powerful life experience like that, there's going to be some, some powerful scripture that comes out of this. So let's look at this. Four ways that we turn back to God in repentance from Psalm 51. Put these in your notes today. Four ways that we turn back to God in repentance. We teshuva, we course correct, we reroute. Here's the first one. Number one, we confess our sins. We confess our our sins. Let's look at this first four verses of Psalm 51. David prays this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Look at verse 4. Against you and you only have I sinned, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight? In other words, yeah, I may have sinned against humanity and sinned against other people, but ultimately it's a sin against you, a holy and righteous God. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. We confess our sins. David begins this prayer with a full-blown confession of his sin. He, he understands the need to feel the full weight of his sins, to own what he's done, to own his sins. So in a sense, he pleads guilty right up front. Like, Lord, I, I plead guilty. Your verdict is just. I have sinned against a holy and righteous God. Now, how many of you know that Our natural human tendency when we mess up, when we fail, when we sin is almost always to blame something or someone else outside of us. Anybody with me? Am I the only human being in here that would acknowledge that? Our natural tendency is we like to like make excuses and blame other people for our failures, even our sins. You know, this happens in my house quite often. I have three boys, and something gets broken, and it's amazing how nobody knows how I got broke. I'll go to my oldest son, Aaron. Aaron, do you know how this got broken? No, Dad, I don't know how it got broken. Go ask Michael. Michael, do you know how this got broken? No, Dad, I have no idea. Go ask Nicholas. Nicholas, do you know how this got broken? No, Dad, I have no idea. Why don't you ask the pet bunny? You know, now we have a bunny in the house. They can just blame the rabbit. Everybody blame somebody. This has been happening since the very beginning in the creation story. Adam and Eve, right? They eat the forbidden fruit and they sin against God and, and, and they're busted, right? They come before God and Adam's like, this woman that you put in the garden, all of a sudden she doesn't even have a name anymore. This woman that you put in the garden with me, she brought me the fruit. And she's like, no, this serpent came along and, you know, this, every, this has been happening, Since the beginning of time, blame shifting, pointing the finger at other people. And y'all know we live in a culture where everyone wants to be right everyone wants to prove that they have the moral high ground, that they're a good person. Do you see this on social media? I see people on social media always pointing out other people's faults. Rarely do I see people going on social media saying, let me just confess today and tell you how I have messed up, how I got it wrong, you know, how, I, how I'm racist, how I made a remark that was wrong, right? How i have politically been incorrect. I, I rarely see that. I got a friend on Facebook that you know, I went to high school with, and she's always posting pictures of shaming other people. Like, she's the moral police. Like, look at how this person parked really bad. This way Waitress gave me bad customer service, right? This parent let their child have a meltdown in this store. I have never seen her go on Facebook and say, you know what? I'm a really bad parent. I lost my temper this weekend and yelled at my kids and said things I shouldn't have said. I had too much to drink this weekend, and I made bad decisions. I have never seen her do that. It's so easy, right, to kind of just point other people's faults out. But in a culture where where everybody is obsessed with being right, Christians actually do something countercultural. We admit we've been wrong. Come on, we do something counter-cultural. We admit we've been wrong. We confess. We admit that we have sinned, that we've messed up. And I think we struggle with this sometimes because some of you grew up in a culture, in a church culture, where maybe, you know, confession meant, meant feeling like you were a low-down, dirty sinner. But let me just back up to the beginning of the story. You were made in the image of God. You are, that means you have great capacity for good, right? So we have a great capacity for good, but we also know that we have a sinful nature And we have a capacity to hurt others. We have a capacity to sin against God. We have a capacity to do things that are are broken. And so when you confess, what you're doing is you're not confessing I'm a terrible person. You're reclaiming your rightful and true identity in Christ Jesus. That's what you're doing. You're teshuvah. You're returning back to the path that he actually has for you. So in order to experience uh, forgiveness, we have to actually own our sin and, and confess it. But here's the good news. When we confess We're confessing to a good, loving, and merciful God. Look at how David prays, right? When he confesses his sin, he appeals to God's love and compassion. In verse one, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. The word love there is chesed. It's, a, it's the Hebrew word for like God's covenant love, like his love that he, he won't break. He's faithful to it. And so when you go to God in prayer, you, you don't go to him you know, in shame and you don't go to him beating yourself up. No, you don't go to him as a, a low down dirty sinner who's undeserving. You're not going to him because of who you are. You're praying to him because of who he is. That's how you pray, according to his compassion and his mercy. So David recognizes that God, only God can save him. Come on, we get into this sin thing all by ourselves, but we don't get out of it by ourselves. We throw ourselves in the mercy of God. We need to be reminded that we, we can't save ourselves, that we can't do enough good works to save ourselves. I know we all think we're good people, and I know we think we're outstanding citizens and and all that stuff, but the the reality is we've got to get serious about owning, owning what's broken in us and confessing it. Confession breaks the power that sin has over us, and it helps us turn back to the path that God has for us. Here's the second thing. Come on, we're talking about some things that we can do, things that we can do in repentance, how we reroute, how we calibrate, how we get back on, recalibrate and get back on track, the path that God has for us. Number two is we ask forgiveness. We ask forgiveness. Let's keep going. Verses five through nine, David goes on to pray this. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom, In the secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. The the picture here is almost like doing laundry, like washing a stain out of stained. Close. And so David asks for forgiveness. When we, when we repent, we not only confess, but then it's important to ask God for forgiveness. Just like sometimes when you hurt someone that you care about, there's something powerful in saying, do you forgive me? Do you forgive me? And so I want you to notice this in verse, in verse 5. He says, surely I was, I was sinful at, at birth from the time my mother conceived me. And so once again, David's not blaming everybody else. David's not pointing to, to things outside of himself. He admits, hey, I have a sinful nature. Something in me is off. Something in me is broken. This is the condition of humanity left to ourselves. There's a magnetic pull on us towards sin. And David admits, like, I was born in sin. But this is really fascinating. In verse 6, he says, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Here's here's what he says. He says, God, like your your truth has been revealed to me even when I was in in the womb. Like You put a moral compass on the inside of me. The reason I know I've sinned is because you put something of yourself on on the inside of me. In other words, God has given us a divine measuring stick when it comes to morality. We have a measuring stick, right? God has given you and me, every human being, a moral compass, a conscience, a sense of right and wrong. So David says, in a sense, this is how I knew I needed forgiveness. I was born in sin, but because you gave me a sense of right and wrong, because you gave me a conscience, because there is a divine measuring stick to morality on this planet, I know I haven't measured up, and I need forgiveness, you know, it's so interesting right now, this, this global response that we're having to this unjust war in, in Ukraine. Isn't it amazing in a world where hardly anybody gets along and agrees about anything, most of the world can say, yeah, you, you should not. It's wrong for a country to invade its peaceful neighbor. That's wrong. It's wrong to kill women and children. It's wrong to kill civilians. It's, it's wrong to, to bomb neighborhoods and hospitals. Are you with me? Like, you don't have to have the most tuned-in moral compass to recognize this is evil. This is wrong. But I want you to think about this for a moment. How did we collectively get that, that sense of this, this ought not be this way? This should not be this way. See, that alone right there is evidence that, that is an, there's an inner morality, there's an inner compass, a moral compass that God has placed inside of all of us. Even unbelievers can recognize that this, what's happening in Ukraine, is wrong. Now, David goes on to say this, verse 7 Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Have you ever been like so dirty before that you took a shower and you felt like a new person? That's what this makes me think of. You know, like one of those days when you're out working in the garden or, you know, you're hot and you're sweaty, you know, and you come inside and you take a shower, you come out and you just feel good in your own skin. This is the picture I feel. David's like, wash me, cleanse me. Hyssop was a plant um, that was used in ancient times that had supposed healing properties. In fact, the priests in the Old Testament, they would use hyssop Hyssop branches, they would sprinkle people with water during purification ceremonies. So they would use hyssop as a symbol that the people were, were purified when the people would go to the priest. Now, here's what I want you to get. I want you to understand this. The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is our high priest. Jesus is the one who's able to cleanse us. Come on, when we go to him, we don't have to go to our priest now to be cleansed. We can go straight to him just like David goes to God in prayer. We can go to Jesus as our high priest and say, wash me, cleanse me, blot out these sins from my life. I want to be a new person come on he's not only your priest but he was also the sacrifice for you on the cross so we can go to him with confidence come on the scripture says if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness aren't you glad that when you go to Jesus he doesn't hold your sins over your head Come on, he doesn't do to you what we do to each other. (laughs) He doesn't start reminding you, but you said you would never do that ever again, right? But you said you would never go there ever again. And there was this one time, that's what we do to each other, but thankfully, (laughs) he doesn't do that, and he can wash you, and he can cleanse you. If you ask him for forgiveness, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Let's keep going. Number three, we're talking about what we can learn about repentance, What we can learn about to to teshuva, to get our path back the, the right direction, to get rerouted in the right direction toward God. That's what we do in repentance. Number three, the third aspect of repentance is this. We ask God to make us new. It's renewal. We ask God not just to forgive us but to make us new. Look at what David prays in verse 10 and 12, one of my favorite portions of Scripture. He prays, created me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. David praise God, make me new. Make me new. Look at verse 10. I love this. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Like David cries out to his creator, God. Now, when we think about the heart as modern day people, we think about the seat of our emotions, right? We might say to somebody, if we're being really romantic, baby, I love you with all of my heart. Okay. But in the Old Testament sense, the heart was the seat of your will, the seat of your emotions. So David's like, change me from the inside. like, Like, change my very will to that. I want to do the things that honor you. Like, I've sinned in this terrible way. I don't want to be that person anymore. I'm asking you, God, to actually change my desires. I once actually read a really interesting article about uh, some medical studies that showed that people who receive heart transplants not only get new physical hearts, but they often experience new sensory perceptions and cravings and habits. And I don't know if that research still holds up, but that article stuck with me. And, And here's the idea. God wants to transplant his heart inside of us, church, so that we actually want the things that he wants. We have new cravings. We have new desires. Come on, so that our will begins to align with his will, and we want to honor him. That's what David's praying here. And then he prays and renew a steadfast spirit within me. The New Living Translation says a loyal spirit. Other translations say a right spirit. See, in the Old Testament Hebrew mindset, the spirit was the power of life itself. In the Jewish understanding, we're animated by our spirits. In fact, the word spirit in Hebrew, it's one of those really cool loaded words. It's the word ruah, and it can be spirit, breath, or wind. So think about the creation of of man, right? In the creation story, it says God formed Adam from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into him the breath of life. Literally a picture of he breathed his spirit into Adam to cause him to come alive. Here's what David's saying, like, breathe your your creative breath in me. Like recreate me, the very same spirit that you breathe into creation at the beginning of time. Like I'm asking you to give me a new spirit, a new self. God, create something in me that only you can create. Come on, it's a humble acknowledgement. Like I can't fix myself. How many of you know that takes humility to admit that? Because we want to fix ourselves. We want to be in control. This is one of the biggest hurdles that, that keeps people, maybe for some of you, this is a hurdle for you in trusting God fully and believing the gospel that, that, oh, I can fix myself. I can make this right. I can be a good enough person. No, David says, I need to be a new person. Come on, this isn't about me trying harder. This is about dead people brought back to life. That's what the gospel's about, right? Not, not you know, bad people made good, but people who were dead in their sins brought back to life. And that's what David's saying here, like revive me, make me a new person. In effect, David's asking for a new a new self. And this is the miracle of salvation. This is the miracle of salvation that we're not just we're not just forgiven but we're we're transformed. I think way too many Christians stop short of they stop short of transformation. They're happy just to have a transactional relationship with God. So many, can I just encourage you, don't don't stop short of of just forgiveness. I think so many times we can get in this pattern of, okay, I know I can go to God in forgiveness, and yes, we should pray for forgiveness on a regular basis, but I think we end up sometimes having this transactional relationship with God that I go to Jesus for professional sin management services. And he's always available, you know, and I just confess my sin. And I'm just forgetting. And this is this transactional thing. We're good. I'm good. I did business with God. I confess my sins. He paid for it on the cross. We're all good. Come on, the gospel's not about transaction, it's about transformation. God wants to change our hearts from the inside out. He wants to change our will. He wants to make us into a new person. And so be encouraged. I want to encourage you because I know sometimes we feel like, but Pastor Jeremy, you have no idea. I keep finding myself drifting back toward that same old habit, that same old mindset, that same old way of, you know, struggling to forgive people and struggling with this or that. But here's what I believe over time, the Holy Spirit is working in you to create in you a new heart, to breathe a new spirit inside of you so that eventually you have new desires. Your will is more aligned with God's will and you actually begin to want to do the things of God. Come on, I'm believing that for you. I'm believe in that for me. The longer I walk with God, the more he's putting a new heart in me. And we can pray for this on a regular basis. God, don't just forgive me. I'm not just stopping short with forgiveness. I want everything you have for me. I want to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Here's the fourth thing. Number four is this. We're talking about four aspects of repentance, four aspects of course correcting, rerouting, Getting, getting synced up with the GPS of heaven. We're going to teshuva. We're going to return to the path that God has for us. Number four, we worship with grateful hearts. We worship with grateful hearts. This is the outcome of everything David prays. Look at this, verse 15 and 17. He says, Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. Number four is we worship with grateful hearts after everything that David prayers. After he prays this confession, after he asks God to forgive him, after he asks God to, to renew him, as he begins to feel the grace of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God, he begins to ask God, now God, help me to worship you. Help me to give you the glory. Help me to give you the honor and, and the credit. See, worship... At its core is a response of gratitude for all that God has done for us. Worship is not just something we do. Sometimes we think about it that way. Oh, worship is something I do. On Sunday morning, I go to church, you know, and we sing some great songs, and we have a great band, and maybe I lift my hands, or maybe during the week on my commute, I put some worship music on, and it lifts my spirits. It's an activity. Worship is not just an activity. There's an aspect of that, but worship is actually a posture of your heart. It's a disposition of gratitude toward God for everything he's done. This is important. It's a response, actually. It's a, I'm not doing God a favor this morning when I come in here worshiping him. Like, God's impressed. Well, thank you so much. Like, I came in here, and I, and I just laid up some, I got some brownie points in heaven because I sat. Like, this is a response of gratitude for what God has done for us. That's what this is. It's a response. And so let me give you this. I love one of my favorite authors, Mark Batterson. He gives this equation. He says, sin minus grace equals guilt. But sin plus grace equals gratitude. Isn't that good? Isn't it so true? Sin without grace means we only have guilt in our lives. We're just walking around with a bunch of guilt and heavy and burdened down. But sin plus grace equals gratitude. When you've experienced the grace of God for your sins, it leads to to gratitude. We should be marked by gratitude. Because, see, some people worship for different motivations. Some people worship out of obligation, I think many of you know that. Many of us come from many of you come from church backgrounds where you know church and the way you relate to God—it's all obligation, right? I have to go to church. I have to do this. I have to pray. I got to do this. You know, I have these obligations. It all feels like just ritual and, and obligation. And then some people do their religious duties really to make themselves feel better. If they're honest, like, you know, it's not really about God. It's kind of about making myself feel better. I feel like a better person. I'm a moral person. I'm an upstanding person because I go to church, because I gave in the offering, because I helped some refugees, because I did this, I did that. But true worshipers worship out of gratitude. The motivation is it's gratitude. Look at this in verse 16. David says, You do not delight in sacrifice. In other words, God, you're you're not impressed with me going through the through the religious motions. I I could do that. I could make a bunch of sacrifices to you, God, but but you're not really interested in me just doing something to to make me feel better for myself. You don't just want my religiosity. And then in verse 17, here's what he says, my sacrifice, oh God, is a broken spirit. Here's the real sacrifice I bring to you, God. It's, it's a broken and contrite heart. It's not a bunch of religious things. It's not making a bunch of ritual sacrifices to you, which is what they would have done in the Old Testament. And so what is this broken and contrite spirit that God wants, that David offers to God? What is it? Here it is. It's a heart that knows how little it deserves, but how much it's received. Come on, it's a heart that knows how little it deserves, but how much it's received. God, I haven't done anything to deserve your grace. I haven't done anything to deserve your mercy. I haven't done anything to deserve what you did for me on the cross, because while I was yet a sinner, you gave your life for me. Before I ever made the first move toward you, you made the first move toward me so it's gratitude. I'm motivated by gratitude. I recognize how little I deserve, but how much I got, how much forgiveness, how much love, how much grace, how much goodness, how much of your unconditional love I have received. See, if you don't end up getting this truth, let me tell you, you'll end up in two places. You'll end up either being self condemning or self righteous. So if, if you don't get this, you, you'll end up being one of those Christians who's really self condemning all the time. You'll walk around beating yourself up, oh man, I messed up again, I failed again. I did that again. I screwed up again. I drifted from God again. I'm just, man, I'm just I'm never going to do this. I'm terrible. I'm an awful person. You'll end, up, you'll end up either self-condemning or you'll end up self-righteous. When you're doing really good, when things are great in your life, you'll end up kind of having a sense of being smug. Like, no, I'm a pretty decent person. I, I feel pretty good about myself. You know, I'm, 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 I'm pretty, yeah, I'm a pretty good person. You'll end up in one of those two places. But when you recognize that it's really not about you, it's about what God has done for you when you weren't deserving, that'll change your heart. That, this is, that's the gospel and this is this is a huge barrier there are so many people honestly there are so many people especially in the other category that have trouble with this idea of, of sin and have trouble with this idea of needing to repent and this idea of like but you don't understand like I'm a I'm a really good person. Well, let me just say this to you. You are made in the image of God. Yes, there is something of himself on the inside of you. There's great purpose over your life. There's great potential over your life. You have an amazing capacity for good. But if we're just honest with ourselves, we all have an amazing capacity to do wrong. We all have amazing, an amazing capacity to be selfish. We have an amazing capacity to hurt other people. We have an amazing capacity to sin. Which one are we? We're both. The reality is we're we're both. And so let me help you today. When you confess your sin, you don't throw the other identity out out of the way. Can I help you? This will set somebody free today because so many people are struggling. I'm telling you, we're living in a culture and Christians can get sucked in this. I see Christians acting like this on social media thinking, oh, I'm just right about everything. No, no, no. We do something counterculture. We admit we've been wrong about things. Here's why. Because when we do that, we actually reclaim our true identity as a son or daughter of God, as a child of God. That's how you you get back on, on the right path. And so David ultimately recognizes, ultimately, what God wants is himself. God, you don't just want a bunch of sacrifices. What you want is broken old me, just like I am. That's what you want, God. As messed up as I am. In the midst of his sin, David recognizes that all I can really offer to you is myself. And that's what worship actually is. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 12, therefore, in light of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, everything you do is worship. It's not just something you do on Sunday, but you offer your life back to him in worship because he gave everything for you. He gave his life for you. And so today, church, as we're on this road to repentance, maybe you recognize today that you've drifted some. We all do. Maybe you recognize you've taken some turns, and and even as I'm preaching today, you recognize, man, there, there are some things in my life that are out of whack. I've got bitterness in my heart. I've got unforgiveness in my heart. I'm out of whack sexually. I'm out of whack here. I've made some wrong choices. I've found myself going back to that same habit that's self-destructive, that's a coping mechanism, but I know it doesn't honor God and I know it's not good for me and and I've taken some some wrong turns. I've been a little bit selfish. I've been a little bit materialistic. I, I don't know what it is for you, but here's what I know. The GPS of heaven is trying to reroute you today. There's a loving and gracious God who's got a good path for your life and he's calling you back. Come back. to Shuva. It's time to return and get back on the path of life, because there is great potential over your life. Get this today. And, And don't just stop short of being forgiven. Listen, David goes on. He gets forgiven, and he goes on to be one of the greatest kings in the history of Israel. He steps into his full redemptive potential. This wasn't his last chapter. He gets redeemed. Church, come on. God has so much more for your life. It's time to get back on the path that he has for you, to be the man, to be the woman, to be the husband, the wife, the father, the mother, the son, the daughter, the friend, the child of God that he's calling you to be. It's time to reroute our lives. It's time to reroute our lives. Amen. And so I want to pray for you this morning. Would you stand with me? Come on, we're going to make this our prayer today. We're going to take this psalm and make it our prayer. And I want to encourage you, man, grab a hold of Psalm 51. This week, as we're in this season of Lent, open up Psalm 51 and pray that prayer. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. What a wonderful prayer to pray. I told you just one of my favorites. I pray this on a regular basis. We're going to do this today. We're going to go to God in repentance. We're going to turn to him today. And maybe this morning as you bow your head and close your eyes, if you're new to our church, we just have a moment of reflection here. Just bow your head and close your eyes. Maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Maybe he's showing you something. Maybe something you did. Maybe something you didn't do. Maybe something you, you said or looked at or entertained or some habit, something in your life. And let's just call it what it is. Let's confess it. Let's quit making excuses. Let's quit blaming someone else. Let's quit blaming everything outside of us and just acknowledge that, God, we have, we've drifted in some ways. But, God, we're coming back home to you today by your grace, by your love, by your mercy, by your compassion. And so, Father, that's our prayer today. We come back to you today. We come back to you today. We recognize that we need to make a course correction today. And we turn from our sins today, oh God. And we turn toward you today, Lord. We turn toward you, Jesus. We admit that we have sinned, but we thank you, God. And when we confess our sins, you're faithful and you're just. to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we pray, create in me a pure heart, oh God and renew a right spirit within me. Father, I want to pray for the person today who feels so far away from you, God. They would say, Pastor Jeremy, I want to know God that way. I want to have a relationship with him, and I don't even know where to start. And if that's you today, I want to, I want to give you the starting place. If that's, a, if that's something you feel in your heart, we believe God is drawing you to himself by his son, by his spirit. And it starts with praying a prayer of placing your faith in Jesus. So you can just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I place my faith in you. I believe you are the son of God. I turn from my sin. I trust in you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. You were raised a new life for me. Just pray that with me. And I trust in you place my faith in you today, and I receive you and accept you as my Savior. In Jesus' name. And Father, bless every person who prayed that prayer today. Thank you for every person who course-corrected, every person who came back home today. We give you worship and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.